Hello, and welcome to The Daily Poem. I'm Heidi White, and I'm filling in for David Kern today, and I'm going to read you a poem by Thomas Merton called Elegy for the Monastery Barn, and this is how it goes. As though an aged person were to wear too gay a dress and walk about the neighborhood announcing the hour of her death, so now, one summer day's end at supper time when wheels are still, the long barn suddenly puts on the traitor beauty and hails us with a dangerous cry. For look, she calls to the country, look how fast I dress myself in fire. Had we half guessed how long her spacious shadows harbored a woman's vanity, we would be less surprised to see her now, so loved and so attended and so feared. She, in whose airless heart we burst our veins to fill her full of hay, now stands apart. She will not have us near her. Terribly, sweet Christ, how terribly her beauty burns us now. And yet she has another legacy, more delicate to leave us and more rare. Who knew her solitude? Who heard the peace downstairs while flames ran whispering among the rafters? Who felt the silence there, the long, hushed gallery, clean and resigned and waiting for the fire? Look, they have all come back to speak their summary, 50 invisible cattle. The past years assume their solemn places one by one. This is the little minute of their destiny. Here is their meaning found. Here is their end. Laved in the flame as in a sacrament, the brilliant walls are holy in their first, last hour of joy. Fly from within the barn, fly from the silence of this creature sanctified by fire. Let no man stay inside to look upon the Lord. Let no man wait within and see the Holy One sitting in the presence of disaster, thinking upon this barn, his gentle doom. Thomas Merton was a 20th century poet, activist, uh, essayist, writer, also a Trappist monk. He was a convert. He lived from 1915 to 1968, uh, and he converted to the Catholic faith uh, as a young man and entered a monastery into the strictest monastic order within the Catholic Church. And he lived there until his death in 1968, which happened by accident. He was electrocuted, actually. Uh, and his death is kind of wreathed in mystery. You can read about it. Look him up. He's a fascinating person if you're not already familiar with his writing. Uh, and he was known for uh, his intense, very introspective, deep spirituality. And he wrote about that a lot and became very well known in his lifetime for his spiritual writing. He wrote a book called The Seven Story Mountain, which chronicles his conversion to the Catholic faith, uh, tells the story of his life. And then beyond that, he wrote essays and poetry uh, talking about his very deep spirituality and then moving a little bit later in his life toward activism. He was a peace activist uh, and he did quite a bit of studying and traveling in the East and did a lot of comparison between the similarities and differences between Eastern spirituality and Western spirituality. Uh, and this poem, it's an early poem for him. And I was very, very struck by this image of the monastery barn as being a woman. And like most 
great poems, probably all great poems. Uh, this, this poem functions on many levels of interpretation. Uh, there's the comparison to the, there's, there's the actual burning of the barn, the literal thing that happened, which is one night the monastery barn caught fire and all of the cattle died and all of the hay that the monks had worked hard to accumulate for the winter, uh, was gone in one night. So there's that literal interpretation. There's also the comparison of the monastery barn to a woman. And we'll talk about that in a second. And then there's also kind of this deeper mystical comparison uh, that's common in Catholic writing, uh, especially mystical writing, to compare the soul to a woman. And so we have barn equals woman equals soul as well. And then there's also the image of fire and how those two images work together, the image of the monastery barn woman soul, and then also the image of fire as being both punishing and purifying. And then there's also the idea of death, that the barn burns down, the soul dies, the woman dies. And 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 so there's an ending to this and the question of death is complex and multi-layered because there's death, which is the death that is grieving and sad. And then there's also the death, which is the rebirth into eternal life, according to Catholic spirituality and Christian thinking. Uh, so it's a complex poem. And, and if you kind of pick one of those and trace it through, so there's just the barn as barn, the barn as woman, and the barn as the soul, uh, each one of those interpretation kind of weave together to make this poem quite a mystical experience to read. At the beginning of the poem, the fire is compared to a dress, a beautiful dress. The long barn suddenly puts on the traitor beauty, inhales us with a dangerous cry. For look, she calls to the country, look how fast I dress myself in fire. So she's put on this dress that then consumes her. Uh, and so it's a very negative image at this point. But somewhere in the middle of the poem, there's a shift there. And the shift happens with one little stanza in between. Uh, who knew her solitude, who heard the peace downstairs while flames ran whispering among the rafters. So at first, uh, the, the image of the, the barn burning is a woman putting on a dress and demanding attention as she is consumed by this beautiful and dangerous fire. And then there's kind of an invitation to go inside the barn. Instead of just to stand and see it destroyed, there's an invitation that Merton issues to imagine oneself inside the barn, uh, inside of the soul, um, within the identity of this woman. And then the poem shifts again from an image of the woman demanding attention to uh, this internal peace and waiting as if there's kind of this hushed silence before the, the flames catch and it all goes up. Um, and then there's another shift to talking about the 50 invisible cattle, the past years, assuming their solemn places one by one, uh, that the barn is full of hay. <laughs> that the monks have worked hard to fill. The barn is a useful thing. It's not really known as a beautiful edifice. It's useful. You stuff hay into it and you're 
cattle live there. And so to see it lit up by this image of beauty and danger has this kind of edge to it, this, this mysticism that's also an invitation to action, to see things that we think of as useful in a new light, in a spiritual light. And so instead of being negative, there's also kind of an image of rebirth and of change and of how the fire doesn't just consume, but it transforms. And that's when we get a meditation upon death. Laved in the flame as in a sacrament, the brilliant walls are holy in their first, last hour of what? Of joy. And then the poem shifts again when Merton, instead of inviting us into the barn, sends us away as if this moment is too holy, this moment of transformation, of danger, of beauty, of the loss of what is useful, but also a transformation into something eternal. Uh, He says, fly from within the barn, fly from the silence of this creature sanctified by fire. Let no man stay inside to look upon the Lord. So the poem goes from using a lot of negative words to describe the fire to shifting towards a solitude and then shifting again towards seeing this barn as being the beauty and the danger as being a transformation into eternal life. So it's a complex poem. It's a really lovely poem. I'll read it one more time. Elegy for the Monastery Barn. As though an aged person were to wear too gay a dress and walk about the neighborhood announcing the hour of her death, so now one summer day's end at supper time, when the wheels are still, the long barn suddenly puts on the traitor beauty and hails us with a dangerous cry. For look, she calls to the country, look how fast I dress myself in fire. Had we half guessed how long her spacious shadows harbored a woman's vanity, we would be less surprised to see her now, so loved and so attended and so feared. She, in whose airless heart we burst our veins to fill her full of hay, now stands apart. She will not have us near her. Terribly, sweet Christ, how terribly her beauty burns us now. And yet she has another legacy— more delicate to leave us and more rare. Who knew her solitude? Who heard the peace downstairs while flames ran whispering among the rafters? Who felt the silence there, the long hushed gallery, clean and resigned and waiting for the fire? Look, they have all come back to speak their summary. Fifty invisible cattle. The past years assume their solemn places one by one. This is the little minute of their destiny. Here is their meaning found. Here is their end. Laved in the flame as in a sacrament, the brilliant walls are holy in their first, last hour of joy. Fly from within the barn. Fly from the silence of this creature sanctified by fire. Let no man stay inside to look upon the Lord. Let no man wait within and see the Holy One sitting in the presence of disaster thinking upon this barn, his gentle doom. This has been The Daily Poem. I'm Heidi White. We'll catch you again soon for another poem.